0: All right. Good morning. What's going on? Welcome to Kennell and Bell on this September 11th. Uh, one of the uh, tragic days in our history. Just wanted to give a quick, um, just a note of remembrance to the people that lost their lives. The volunteers, um, the um, servicemen that came in uh, to try to provide help that they were in the search, were in the rescue. Yeah. Just a devastating day in our history. Really a, a shifting point for us as a country when you look at just the way things change, there's pre-9-11, there's post-9-11, um, but it's always one that you don't ever want to forget uh, the impact that it had on so many people's lives, over 3,000 lives that were lost. Where uh, were you? you know, I was in New York City. Yeah? I was playing minor league baseball uh, in Newark, New Jersey. I was living at my agent's apartment in Manhattan wow. on the Upper East Side, and I'll never forget because... Like My schedule at the time was I woke up around 11. Like We played till late at night, usually go out a little bit after, and I was asleep, and my agent, who was actually there, he would kind of come and go. He actually knocked on the door and said, hey, you've got to come watch this. And so the first plane had hit, so he had it on the news, and we're watching it like, holy cow, this is crazy. And then when the second plane hit, and they started saying, this is an attack, it was like total chaos. All of a sudden, people outside... There's gridlock. People are leaving their cars to walk out because they just wanted to get out of the city. Sure. F-16 fighter jets are flying over us. Cell phones are jammed because everybody's trying to call their loved ones. Yeah. Couldn't talk to my family. It was scary for sure. It was just really scary. I mean, yeah. but it is one of those ones where you remember where you were. Sure. Do you remember where you sure. were? Yeah, no, in I was college. In, or? I was,
1: no, I was in a locker room um at the Philadelphia College of osteopathic Medicine. We were going in for a you know preseason kind of workout, just to get a sweat and stuff like that, and. To your point, the first one hit, everybody was kind of like, dang, that's crazy, man. And then when the second one flew in, you were like, uh oh. My wife was in New York, so, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I couldn't get a hold of her, um, you know, because of the cell phone thing. So I just, re- you know, I remember it just tragic, but, uh, yeah, I, I asked because, like, I'll never forget where I was that yeah. day when I saw those things go into the, into the tower.
0: Yep. And we would never forget, uh, either. No easy transition here. So let's just do it right into the show. Um, again, just a w- awkward uh antonio brown so he has been the story i don't know about for you for me i was like oh, at least we don't have to talk about any more drama like that, right like let's just see it down the field. exactly the mother- then last night i'm seeing all of a sudden you know joey text all, the, got all these people text me like are you kidding me Yeah. so antonio brown has now been accused of sexual assault uh there have been uh a civil suit filed against him from an accuser um Antonio Brown's lawyer has gone pretty aggressive saying Mr. Brown denies each and every allegation in the lawsuit. He will pursue all legal remedies to not only clear his name but to also protect other professional athletes against false accusations. Again, Mr. Brown denies all the accuser's accusations. I don't I don't the I it's very aggressive denial. I don't love when you're saying it's also to protect all other professional athletes against false accusations. Just you're making yourself out like you're some hero in this case. Just make your denial and move on. The Patriots have made their statement saying they are aware of the civil suit that's been filed, uh, as well as Antonio Brown's response. Under no circumstances does this organization condone sexual violence or assault. The league has informed us they will be investigating. We will have no further comment until that investigation takes place. I hate these conversations. I really do. Because it becomes a he said, she said. You have a lot of speculation that takes place. You have a lot of people and it goes both ways. Like you'll see victim shaming, but then you'll also see, you know, people don't like athletes and they always assume the worst. And they'll say Antonio Brown did it, of course. And there's just assumptions that are made. And it's really uncomfortable in our business when you're supposed to have strong opinions to try to give an educated opinion on this. It's, it's impossible to do that. It
1: is impossible because no one knows exactly what happened. Um, I can't sit here and speculate as to what happened. Um, I, I think that the Patriots have handled it the best way that they can. Um, the league will do its due diligence. Um, you know, I imagine the court system will do it, and, and the Patriots will react accordingly um, for now. Antonio Brown goes back to practice and, you know, we still are a country where you're innocent until proven guilty, right? And they've just invested in him. And so I think the way they approach it is until they get information to either corroborate or, 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 um, you know, uh, exonerate him that you have to just treat it as business as usual. Um, I don't really mind Antonio Brown's agent coming out and, and if, if, if they know then I don't, if they know unequivocally that this did not take place and this is not, um, within the realm of possibilities with AB and this young lady and I don't know again but if they know that I don't have a problem with them putting that statement out there because that happens sometimes yeah. I'm not saying that it's in this case but that happens it also happens uh you know where young ladies have valid reasons to file those charges but if in this case you know and they're the only ones that know that it, if it did or it didn't um, I don't have a problem with their statement necessarily um it sucks that we are talking about Antonio Brown still yeah um but I, I you know all I could do now is like everyone else just wait and see This plays itself out because I
0: I have not wanted this to work out the AB Patriots relationship because I don't like the way he forced his way out, the way it was such a circus. I don't, I don't, I don't 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 like, but I also don't don't like the Patriots. Like, I don't like Dynasty gets to continue and gets this, you know, guy who's an incredible talent. They get to bring him on his roster. So, my initial thought was like, well, the Patriots, like, even if it's just a complete sideshow or if it's legit i'm like well the patriots got what they deserve too, you know like because they were willing to take the shot like all of this uh, I, I don't know. want to see a happy ending for nah. antonio brown nah. or the patriots nah. so i'm like this is they got what they deserve. why why because like and I, just a side like the side of it like you know if it's obviously if there are, if it is proved to be true it's a, a very serious incident and he should be prosecuted for the Let's- full extent of the law but as far as yes. from like the football standpoint, so, I don't like the Patriots that they're
1: getting this. Let's put the sexual assault conversation to the side. Yes. Like, why are why are you hating on Antonio Brown at this point? Because he acted the way he acted. He gave up twenty million, maybe you know, twenty one, yeah, potentially $20 dollars. Like, said, it's not like it's not like he forced his way out of Oakland and still took his whole check with him. Like he forfeited a lot of bread to get out of there.
0: He did. Um. I
1: still I'm just saying, that. Raiders got the devil incredibly
0: devil. duped on this one. They were fools though, because they could have put him on this non-injury reserve list, not like like there's a there there's a way they could have protected themselves. And that year, they were probably like, "This guy's crazy; He doesn't want to play football." Right? They did. So I, it's such an interesting like d- the dynamic to the way this thing ended. But I think what is interesting, if the Patriots, and that that is one of these discussions. Well, if you're the Patriots, what do you do? Because they're saying it's a he said, she said. They're probably going to be like, well, we can't do anything until this
1: thing is resolved. I think, like, the, I think the Patriots are one of only a few teams in the NFL that can probably afford to sit there and say, we're going to let it play itself out. Like, we want, we don't know. Like, right. You know what I mean? I, I feel like there are other teams that may have to have been forced to cut bait right. like, just off of social media response and what back, potential backlash. They might have had to say, all right, no, we don't, we don't want the hassle. We don't want the problem. But this was all, in my opinion, part of why New England was the only destination for him because they're so established as a brand and as a culture that they can withstand some of that stuff. Um, and, 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 and you know, be able to sift through the noise to some degree to get to where ultimately you've got a clearer picture of what's taking place.
0: So now what is interesting is that the NFL doesn't need um, prosecution. They don't need proven guilt. They have their own. They have their own standard, which they can um, dole out punishment. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's a good example of that. He was never prosecuted, uh, never was found guilty, and that he was held out six games because of some evidence they had found. There are – Text messages, there are exchanges where Antonio Brown doesn't look great. Like wh- Regardless of what everything happened, the way he was talking to a woman was, you know, and it's it did not look good. And according to Pro Football Talk, which just came out uh, literally about six minutes before our show, there is a report that the NFL is giving, quote, serious consideration to putting Antonio Brown on the exempt list, which would keep him off that field uh, for some of this time as these very serious allegations take place. So I don't think this story is going anytime, uh, and away anytime soon, and we'll keep you up to date on it. Again, I don't like giving strong opinions on did he do it or did he not. But know. from a perspective of how does the NFL handle well, it, how does the Patriots handle it, it does become interesting but, because it could impact
1: their season. The Patriots are going to hold tight, in my opinion. I think they hold tight to see what happens. The NFL, on the other hand, has a right. guy who's been making a mockery of their whole structure. The system, yep. Yeah. Given the opportunity to get him, Oh, they're going to get in. Yeah. And quite frankly, given the opportunity to touch the Patriots, they got a history of getting the Patriots too. So this is like a win-win for the NFL. Like yeah. if they get a shot at him and the Patriots.
0: Yep. Uh, moving on, in the NFL as well, Jerry Jones had some interesting comments about Dak Prescott's extension, which may not be as close as most people originally thought. I thought it was going to be done. Like apparently there was there was a couple reports out that said he was going to get it done, like sign it Sunday before right. their first game against the Giants. Jerry said, hold on a second. He said, I was asked my opinion. I think that we are fast approaching an agreement, but then there's that relative maybe to where we've been. On the other hand, that might be my opinion. It sure might not be Dak's position. When Dak expresses his opinion or his agent expresses their opinion, that may be different than my opinion. Man, okay. it's confusing. And so... That can go on for a long time. So, when somebody asks your opinion on whether something's done, that takes two to do it. They're speaking just from their perspective. In my mind, we're fast approaching a deal. Okay, I'm kind of confused. Could you make any
1: argument for Dak not taking a really nice deal right now and playing it out this year? You're saying. Allow me to make the argument that they're as good as they've been in a long time. Yeah. They looked really good in Week One. You got multiple weapons that stretch the field now. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't even in the mix game one. Offensive line is healthy. You have a new play caller that's allowing you to like open up and throw the ball, push it downfield a little bit. Like, could if I were Dak and they offered me, let's say, slightly less than Carson Wentz right now, and I know your position is, hey, take it, take us, but it might be in Dak's best interest to let this play out. It would, because clearly,
0: if he keeps balling out and he does, like Joe Flacco, yeah. is the perfect example. Bet on himself, played it out, and had a record-breaking deal. Got way more money than people thought he could get. I think Dak Prescott at this point, people are okay with saying, all right, he's thirty million dollars. There was the report out that he wanted forty. Probably in the realistic range is at thirty-five or thirty-six million a year, which would make him the highest-paid annually quarterback in the league. Yeah, if he if he wanted to go that route, I think he could probably get that, uh, considering the way he played on Sunday I thought it sure. was the best he has looked in his entire career not just statistically cuz clearly he was off the charts but just from a comfort standpoint footwork growth the, all of it yeah accuracy he looked outstanding i have no problem with dak earning his money and and getting uh, that type of uh, money but what i would say is that sometimes, and this would be for, and this I think Tom Brady is the ultimate example yep. of this. Now maybe he is getting money under the table. I do think there's a very good chance that there is some side deal from Robert Kraft and Tom Brady that says at some point you're going to be taken care of. We're going to make you whole, right? Yep. If you've been taking this because he has been severely underpaid. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If you're Dak Prescott, look at the like the Ravens are a pretty good example, and I think Dak Prescott is way better than Joe Flacco. But in the, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, the first time around that they paid him his hundred million, his first big contract, it set them back. If you want to have, if you want to be, fifteen year quarterback in the NFL, which I think is a reasonable goal for Dak Prescott to have, maybe don't try to break the bank and take the $35, $36, 37. Take a little bit of a discount. I'm not asking you to pay it for half. I mean, Carson Palmer made some waves yesterday because he made, uh, was making the rounds and said. If I was him, quote, I would do between a ten and fifteen million kind of number, win a bunch of games and win a bunch of Super Bowl. That to me is too severe of a discount. Who said that Carson Palmer? Who yeah. <laughs> now Carson Palmer's is a great dude. I love okay. him. But great quarterback, played a long time in the NFL, made a ton of money. You want me I to, think,
1: make, a, you want me to right. make a third of what like right. my peers are making? So here's what,
0: here's my hunch with Carson Palmer that maybe he's not super dialed in on some of the going rates. Uh, okay, that's a hunch. Now maybe he's maybe he's hundred percent saying. Uh, that's not that far away from what some backups are IBM, bro. Like, that's, I that's, mean, yeah. seriously, Chase Daniel was making $7 million a year yeah. as a backup. I would say if you – I think 30 would be a reasonable discount. I think even $25 million, which is a boatload of money, is a severe discount where you could have a lot of guys around you. And the point that Carson was making, and I think this is one where Jerry Jones has tried to make it too, as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys – you can make a lot of money off the field. Now, you can still make that. You can add it on to 35 a year, or you can add it on to 25 a year. Right. But I don't know. Sometimes to set yourself up to be in a better situation, look at Tom Brady, you can have better talent around you on that roster. Because you know what else helps? If you were a Super Bowl winning quarterback of the Dallas sure. Cowboys.
1: Sure. I mean that's legacy. That's legacy stuff, right? Like that's right. legacy money. But I'm also now.
0: talking financially, it pays off too. No,
1: but I'm saying that's legacy money. Like that money. Yes. That money is with you. You're talking about doing signings and whatnot until you're 60 and 70 years old, where you're. But
0: you're, I'm also talking about the immediate, like big time brand Nike. You know? Oh, yeah. Talking, you know whatever. There is, direct TV. there is a
1: financial windfall that comes with being a Super Bowl winning quarterback for of the, the Dallas for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yes. Um, there would be a discount that I would be willing to take percentage wise. Um, but you've got to remember like they're, you know, athletes are vain, dude. You know, this, like you talked about NFL being like a a jealous league, like Dak Prescott wears a chip on his shoulder. He was disrespected in the draft to some degree. He compares himself to Carson. Wentz. it was Brady though. Yeah, no, no. But so like, I I mean, I might be willing to take in and around what Carson got slightly less than what Carson got. I, I don't know that me personally, I would be fighting the battle to have to get one more cent than he got just to say that I did. But you can't be asking me to take eight or $9 million a year less than he got. That is a slap in the face to, to a quarterback now, or to anybody that's competitive. And I understand what you're saying, but Danny, you know damn well that when you're in like the prime, like those early years of your career and you're trying to like, you know you're establishing that brand you you ain't thinking with that type of perspective that you're talking about right like you're just not you're not right. making and your decisions based on that. that either they your want agent, you to cut big
0: checks they want to be able to sell I got Dak Prescott the biggest contract Correct. for a quarterback to date and that's that's where I think you have to be really careful with some of the advice that you get and that's probably what his agent is going to try to get him because that's his agent trying to do his best job for his client I just would say the other thing too that I've noticed with all these contracts with Zeke Steele other quarterbacks Carson Wentz who you mentioned Who's, uh, you know, the highest paid Jared Goff. They should all be looking at Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is doing this the right way. Now you sacrifice a little bit of security on the back end, but he, all these deals, if you look at the real numbers versus the fake numbers, what are they? Around three to four years, uh, in actual real money. And right. then we did the Ezekiel Elliott contract and there's a little parentheses and it says could easily opt out. If you're the Cowboys, you could easily cut bait. So. If that's fake money, do it fully guaranteed sure. the way Kirk Cousins did, 3 year 84 million, and then guess what? In 3 years, You're back up again. Break the bank again. And yeah. like if, after if if Kirk Cousins keeps playing the way he is, and he wasn't fantastic last year, but again, he's top 10 in most categories, he's probably going to get he's probably going to get a better contract, another 3 year deal, maybe it's 100 million. Like we can put, we can talk all we want about which quarterback's going to be the highest paid, when it's all said and done, Kirk Cousins might have earned the most money. Of any quarterback in this current generation. And that's like, that's what I would be looking at if I was other players in the league. So you're they saying, always, he, they're always the conversation. He, we want guarantees. He plays contract. the
1: contract game better than he plays the football game? Hey, you can say that <laughs> if you want to. But hey, <laughs> what is it all about? You no, want but know, but i you know? Listen, I've said it before. Don't talk to me about nothing but a guarantee. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear it. Don't exactly. talk to me about guarantees. So, so don't but give the, the teams
0: the fake money on the right. back where it just no. looks great and your agent can say it's a $150 million deal. No. What is the real guarantee? Right. And then just cut it off. I'm just with say, you on that. Say, I want the real guarantee, and then we'll talk again. Correct. I'm, you know, I'm you, with you on that. Unless you want to make the full six years guarantee. And we, we got action. That. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, until then, I think every player should look at Kirk Cousins' model and say, maybe we should start doing that. And then guess what would happen? All the players would start getting fully guaranteed and contracts. It'd be shorter term. Yeah. But you'd have some leverage on the other end to really get even more after it's said and done.
1: Now, streaming on Paramount Plus. you ready, Bob. Ah! Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. All
0: right. Welcome back to Kennel and Bell. Outstanding grade. No, it's not. It was
1: not. And I do this all the time, right? And I don't know. I like, I don't mean, but it says Colvin will steal his, right? Yeah. Right. You're throwing some,
0: you're throwing some PA under the bus like big time right here. I don't mean to, because I like that. It challenges me. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. It's, it's just like a puzzle. You have to piece it together and make sure you get it out there right. Sorry. Aaron Colvin getting cut. Uh, that you read in the update. If you're listening to the podcast, you might not have heard it. So Aaron Colvin of the Texans gets cut by them, and he was the guy who gave up the play to Ted Ginn. He was in coverage on him, was too soft. Drew Brees found it. They, of course, kicked the 58 yard field goal and they in the game. The reaction is, man, the NFL is cutthroat. This guy screwed up one play and he gets cut. This is not the result of one play. Right. This is a growing issue that was might have, that may or may not have been the final straw. But I think the Texans weren't, uh, they probably already regretted the amount of money they had paid him. Yep. And they just needed kind of that final excuse. And they said, all right, that's enough to do it. So it was press across the board. He was the only guy that was giving a little bit of leverage. And of course, Breeze being one of the braves in the game finds the one opportunity, yeah. takes advantage of it and they
1: lose the game. And he ran over there and tagged him down so they yeah, could call the tie.
0: So I went, I found this out. Did you? The NFL does have a rule where it is, it's, it's giving yourself up. If you give yourself up which the receiver did he did catch it he went down kind of sideways but he was clearly and you can tell the officials before the play what uh, the Saints had done right right which right was right okay. heads up move okay. was hey we're trying to get six as soon as we go down let it, we're going down right. so the officials were on it too so it. there is a rule in there where you can't surrender where they couldn't have just you know sat there and said we're not touching <laughs> we're no. not going to touch yeah, you buddy. so that was one there all right moving on to basketball team USA was playing this morning Joey texted me and said team USA is getting crushed i flipped it on Joey our producer I flipped it on. All of a sudden, it's tied. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, they came all the way back. They end up getting beat in the end. Uh, pretty convincingly, it was getting ugly. They were doing some fouls at the end. But in bottom line, they lose to France. It's their first loss in international competition since 2006. There's a 58-game win streak by Team USA. That is broken.
1: Um, your reaction to this? Okay. What would you expect? Right. You know, I mean, you rolled out your C team. I, you know... I get that this wasn't like pure arrogance. Like my initial thought would be like if you were arrogant enough, like at times the USA is to just take your 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 D League players and think that they're gonna beat like the best international competition there is, like I would say that's arrogance. This was not that. This was you had a bunch of guys that you wanted to go to the competition, elect not to participate, and so you had to take what you had. But I'm not surprised that they wind up getting beat by someone because while they're good players, like they're not the best that we have to offer, and if you had said the best that we have to offer, I don't really think there was a chance that we would have lost. Right? right. I'm not. So do you ask me what was my? I, I'm not surprised.
0: Right. My thing was like, does anybody
1: care? Right.
0: You know, like, and we've talked a little bit about this before about the FIBA basketball World Cup. Like, is it big and does it matter internationally? Oh,
1: it, Maybe, but here. Oh, we care. Team USA cares. I mean, USA basketball cares. You like, think you, are, so? dude, USA basketball cares. Like, we care. We don't. You don't want to be beat. These are. While I said they're not our top choices. These are all established NBA entities Right Like you don't expect them To go over there And get lost Now I'm not surprised That they got beat They faced another NBA team That the, the, you
0: can't try it out, Mason Plumley, out there and be like, "All right, we're gonna
1: go dominate the world competition." Yeah, not dominate it. Like right. you, you could compete, you know, right. but you ain't gonna dominate it. They played against the France's last lineup that they had on the floor, their late game lineup, their closing lineup was Rudy Gobert, NBA All Star, yep. uh, Nick Batum making a lot of money in the NBA, Evan Fournier, very good NBA player, Frank Nilakina, super high draft choice, even though he's not playing a lot in in New York, and Nando De who was an NBA player and a very good European player right now. So, point being, you're playing peers, dude. Right, like none of these guys, and those are also
0: the best players that France has to offer.
1: Correct. Right, that's their A team. That's their A team. But like none of these guys, except maybe Rudy Gobert, would fit in the category in the NBA of superstar. Right. If you took your superstars, you probably you'd pummel everybody. You you that's how you get a sixty-eight game win streak or whatever it was. You just wound up. With essentially, and I don't mean any shade to the guys that are there, right I've never played for Team USA. It's a huge accomplishment, huge honor. It wasn't your your those weren't the guys you wanted to go play. Do you know right. what I mean? Oh, for sure.
0: Uh so it'll be interesting to see if Team USA can change that philosophy. I just think when the Olympics roll around, you see the A team. Yeah. And when it's not, the way the schedule is, the way players' mindset is now, I don't think it adds anything to their resume, to their l- resume, to their legacy. It's only a risk of injury for some of these guys. And so I would say what's the What's the carrot? The Team USA is going to hang out that they're going to dangle. I don't think there's any other side from an Olympic gold medal that they can get guys to
1: co-play. The, lo- the loss is going to help them get guys. I think so? Yeah, I think we take pride in that. Being like we take pride as a, as a collective like brotherhood of of you know, NBA, yeah. you know basketball we dominate players, the American, national international players. Yes, I don't. Th- I think they're looking at that like, damn man. We're, next time around a block, we're going to have to show up because yeah. they don't want it. They don't. They don't like to see those guys uh, get beat. At upset alert, maybe. Yeah. Watch out for them in Serbia in the next round. If they could pull Serbia in the fifth, sixth place game, whatever that is, yep. Serbia is damn good.
0: Uh, all right. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, see what happens. Maybe we'll tell you when, Steam, uh, the World, uh, FIBA World Cup. I don't know if we'll spend much time. I don't
1: time even think on we'll that. follow it anymore.
0: <laughs> I either. don't think so either. Uh, Kevin Durant uh, did an expose with the Wall Street Journal, uh, a lengthy interview, mm-hmm. a tell all, if you will, talked about his time with the Golden State Warriors. Um, he talked about playing in the NBA. Uh, he had some very interesting comments. Let's dive right into this. Because I do think he had some... There's one quote specifically that I want to get to in just a minute. But we'll start with... And some of this, I feel like some guys, they, they give you what you want to hear because mm-hmm. they think it's going to play well. That was my hunch when I heard this. So he said... Kevin Durant said, some days I hate the NBA. Some days I hate the circus of the NBA. I hate the players that let the NBA business, the fame that comes with the business, alter their minds about the game. Sometimes I don't like being around executive, the executives and politics that come with it. I hate that. Uh, I don't mind him saying the executives and politics, but is he different? Like, is Because I feel like he's Listen, been impacted
1: by the we, fame. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> you know, like I get the beginning of that statement that this game when we were younger was a pure game you played for the love of the game but we paid or not like you were just out there you wanted to get a hoop um you know you wanted to claim that you were the best wherever you're from like those were those were pure things to you once you start making millions of dollars and you have signature shoes and you're flying on private jets and stuff like that you're a corporation you change you are a corporation i and your morals don't necessarily change like it doesn't have to necessarily change who you are as a person although in some cases it does but it doesn't have to do that but by its very nature by the things you're able to do and see and whatever and what you have to deal with on a day-to-day you're, you're you've changed so it changes everyone
0: i and I think him included if of he course that i hate that it changed about me it just seemed to me like he was pointing the finger at everybody else saying i'm still true to the game Any, it changes I mean, everybody absolutely like and it everybody. would change me and it would yes. change you because yes. it is a totally different animal when you're talking about that type of money that comes into play um his comments on the warriors in uh, leaving the Warriors. I came in there wanting to be part of a group, wanted to be part of a family, and definitely felt accepted, but I'll never be one of those guys. I didn't get drafted there. Steph Curry, obviously drafted there. Andrea Godala won the first finals, first championship. Clay Thompson drafted there. Draymond Green drafted there. The rest of the guys rehab their careers there. So me, bleep, how are you going rehab, rehabilita, to rehabilitate me What are you going to teach me? How can you change me, alter anything in my basketball life? I got an MVP already. I got scoring titles. As time went on, I started to realize I'm just different than the rest of the guys. Not a bad thing. Just my circumstances, how I went up. Um, On top of that, the media always looked at it like KD and the Warriors. So it's like nobody got a full acceptance of me there.
1: Uh, That that could be true. That was the big question coming in. Would, Would he ever be embraced? Um, like the other guys who were home homegrown, um, and started winning championships at the inception of that that championship run. Uh, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? What is he not accepted there? Like, is does or is he not? Is he the one that's a little standoffish and not really submitting to the to the group, and that's the reason why they didn't accept him? Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't speak to that. I wasn't there. I don't. I don't know. But it could be one of two things. I thought the end of that was a little. Uh, it came off as a little conceited, like a little bit when they like, what can you teach me? Like, how can you rehab my image? Like you hadn't won anything, right? You know, yeah, you were an MVP, but you hadn't won a championship until you got to. So they did check that box for your legacy. Um, And, and I know, and I'm not speaking for, for Steve Nash, uh, but I know that Steve worked with KD a lot. Um, And I'm not saying Steve Nash was a better player than KD, but. When those type of players are around to help with different parts of your game, you are learning things like you're ever evolving as an NBA player. So, you know, you can't tell me that you didn't learn anything from Steve. Maybe it would may be about just like playing pick and roll or distributing the ball, whatever. I don't know. Uh, but I thought that part was a little, it sounded a little conceited. But the general thing about not being accepted, that could have been a really real thing.
0: Uh so I think a couple things. One, just to respond to you on that one. Uh I totally agree. Like, why wouldn't you I think the greatest players, Tom Brady's, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant's, in any sport, they're always ch- they always feel like they can learn something more. Even Tom Brady, I guarantee you, this offseason he had something, he's like, I can learn more. Sure. I can get better. Absolutely. So I do think I do not like that response, sounding a little bit arrogant, like what more do I need to do? Right. Because there's always, no matter what point you were in your career there, as far as him getting along with the the Warriors. One of two things. Either they excluded him for the family, or what I think is the more likely scenario is that Kevin Durant, who is super sensitive with the media, is super sensitive about a lot of things, just never felt comfortable himself. He probably walled himself off a little bit. Because he was insecure of, hey, this, you know, I don't. Because we've seen plenty of other situations. Really, the Heat being one of the best with them. When they brought in Chris Bosh and LeBron James, they were pretty instantly like a family, even though none of them, you know, those two didn't start with the organization. The difference
1: was, to played devil's advocate. They hadn't won anything. He hadn't won anything. Mm. It wasn't like LeBron and Bosh joined this team. They had been to back-to-back finals and only really lost one because Draymond Green, like, got suspended, you know? Right. Like, they weren't, like, tag-alongs, so to speak. <laughs> right. Not that he was. He was a right. huge part of them winning championships, but maybe that's the way you know they perceived it and he perceived it that would be the only yeah the only which i, I which
0: i could see right. too yeah. but i also there's something about it where i just think kevin durant is insecure in himself and who he is which i think i think which makes him like a lot of people mm-hmm. but i think on the outside you're like well how could he be insecure he's one of the best players in the league he's we're got all, all this we're all money. human beings man we're all human beings and i think it's one of his flaws i i think should, i do I think he's sensitive i think he's a little insecure and i think he was probably sensitive cuz i i don't know in my mind, I wouldn't picture that team, which is a fun team. I've always been there. Now Draymond might maybe not be the most fun guy to play with. I like, think he could push the wrong buttons, but I think they would say, Yeah, come on board. Like let's embrace it. Well, they you. did. Exactly. I That's mean, why I'm like, well, then what was Kevin Durant's hang up? I think it was more about KD's hang up than been. it was about the Warriors. Yeah. Now of course it could be any situation, but right. that was kind of my hunch. Um we do a lot of name dropping on here, but he did not uh, have a pretty big name drop uh, on his because he said he got calls and texts from everywhere uh, when he got hurt, saying "Hey, how are you?" Including from one Barack Obama. So that's pretty high that's up there. Pretty that's pretty big sweet. Name drop. Yeah, pretty something solid. Along the lines name of, drop. Uh, Speed of recovery. So when uh, when we were doing this uh-huh. conversation, uh, Joey, our producer, said, "You know, we should do the name drop things. Who's the who's the?" Most famous person that's ever texted you. Right. So I will go there. Like, who's who's the most famous person that ever texted you? Uh,
1: I don't know. I'm not, I don't hang out with a lot of famous. Yeah,
0: but you got, but you like Steve Nash, and you guys are yeah, tight. Kobe. David Griffin. Oh, Kobe. <laughs> he just went there. Kobe. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, I thought I said the bar pretty high. Steve no. Nash, and you just won up there, Kobe. I um, but I don't think like you know. I was trying to think. Like DM'd. Like tweeted at, I've yeah. had some like Darius Rucker, but I don't okay, that big like there's some yeah, Don Cheeto, We Lofus. told that yeah. one there yeah. uh, where we had that one, but this was funny because yesterday. DMs don't count, bro. No, no, they don't. X. They don't. That's X. why I'm not saying it. But yes. this is yesterday. Yeah. I got a text right. from somebody, so it's perfect for this conversation because I'm not just name dropping <laughs> it. <laughs> Look, you're like, but here, you want to, you want to name? Hey, Charles Barkley so <laughs> out there, okay, Chuck? Oh, so Chuck, yeah. Charles Barkley, Chuck. As we like yeah. to call each other. call him, yeah, Chuck. Chuck. Uh, oh, Chuck, one fifty two yesterday. This guy's such a SOB. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> the first thing I thought of because he is a massive college football fan. Yeah, he loves Auburn. We have done some smack talking because Florida State beat Auburn for a national championship. Mm-hmm. So he texts me out of the blue yesterday, unsolicited. Hey, I've been in Afghanistan. I don't. Know, he says that a lot. I don't know what he means. It's some reference, like I guess I've been off the grid. Okay, okay. I don't know because I don't think he was in it's Afghanistan. Like, was he, Afghanistan? <laughs> he said, "How's Florida State doing?" LOL. Like I just, uh, just to kind of get a little jab in there as Florida State's struggling, just come drop the hammer on that one. Got you. um, But I do think we need to get him on the show. Yeah. And have a little smack talk Be back fun. and forth. Oh, and he always – he'll let me have it about Florida State. And uh, he's probably feeling pretty good about Auburn's program right now too. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Eventually we're going to <coughs> we're gonna have to have some, or, some microphones not, in here during not. breaks. Or, I don't know. Some of those conversations, some good uh, information on those. But we shouldn't really do that to people, our listeners. Uh, that's not really fair. <laughs> College football. So I put my top eight out every Sunday after the weekend action. I put it out. Georgia fans were not happy with me because in the AP poll, right, they are ranked third. Okay, in mine I have them all the way at eight. Um, and I had like it, there's different philosophies of what you could do. If you just went based on pure resume this season, LSU should be one, okay. and maybe um Auburn should be two. If you looked at just who owns the most impressive wins of this season. But I have sort of a combination. I do Clemson and Bama for one and two for me because I just think they're the two best teams in the country. Uh, Clemson did have a win over Texas A&E at home, so that was clear. Uh, maybe one of the most impressive wins of the season as well. Bama dominated Duke. They've dominated both their uh, opponents. I jumped LSU to three because I thought their win against Texas on the road showed me something with their offense. I think re- resume-wise, I think Texas are a really good team, and they won that game You know, in a, in a, in a hostile environment. Right. So I have them as high as I do. The reason I haven't, and this this is what I would say to Georgia fans, it doesn't matter, first of all, at this point in the season. Like, my meaningless poll doesn't really matter. But play somebody, and I'll move you up. Like, and they still have another game this weekend. They played Vanderbilt in week one. Vanderbilt's garbage. Vanderbilt lost to Purdue. They beat them by 24. It wasn't exactly a dominant victory. Then they played some other garbage team. They have one more this weekend. And week four, when they played Notre Dame, if they beat Notre Dame, I'll put them right back in the top four. Like, it will not bother me at all. But you've got to play somebody in order for me to go out there and have you up there. Now the I mean, biggest complaint they would have, Damn, I ain't playing nobody. They played Duke, which is equivalent to Vanderbilt, but they they smoked Duke okay. like they beat him forty-five to three or forty-two to three. Right. Uh, so they handled him. I don't think Georgia's been less than impressive so far this year. Michigan is the team. I have what? That's my beef, and that's a legitimate beef. Here's what I would say about Michigan, who beat Middle Tennessee in uh, in Week One and struggle was taken to overtime. Probably should have lost against Army. One, they did not lose. Um, two, Army was a top a ten win team last season. They're a pretty good program. They're not a laughing stock. Almost oh, beat it's, Oklahoma it's, last story, year. Yeah. Almost beat Oklahoma last year. I do think it's fascinating because last year Oklahoma, the close game against Army didn't hurt them one bit. Like, nobody brought that up in the playoff conversation in the end when it was time to go and they were a one-loss team that won the Big 12. If the same conversation comes up again this year, and let's say Michigan loses a game but wins the Big 10, because that game was not just online only, which is what the Oklahoma Army game was last week, and nobody really saw it. They just said, ah, oh, must have been ugly, chalked it up for a win. But because we saw that in, on noon on Fox and it was a national stage and everybody's like, this Michigan team's awful, I think it might hurt them, like and differently than it did Oklahoma. Right. My thing is Army's a pretty good team. It's tough to figure out uh, defensively, and their defense actually did a better job. I was very concerned at their lack of movement up front in the offensive line, but they still won the game. Yeah. Like they won against a pretty good team. So let's let let's let this thing play out. And they're still two zero. They have the same record as Georgia, and they've played against better competition to date. So that's why I'm ahead of them. Okay. Well. Wow. You no, know, but if you said head to head, who are you going to pick? Georgia or Michigan? Yeah, probably in Georgia. Okay. But like the my philosophy is I need to see a little bit more on the field before you'd make that jump. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. Um, some interesting Heisman uh discussion because Joe Burrow, who was that LSU quarterback who was so impressive in their win against Texas, was a super long shot coming into the season. And maybe we should have been paying attention to him of some really good value there because we all knew they were going to go to this new offense, which was supposedly going to take advantage of the aerial attack. He went from 200 to one odds to five to one odds Yeah.
1: after the season, which yeah. is kind of crazy. That's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. I, I I mean, I think he is, I see he's tied with Trevor Lawrence. For me, the it's the Trevor Lawrence effect of like last year. And you know, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft whenever he's coming out. But his resume this year, like his body of work this year, in my opinion, doesn't support him being tied with, with Joe Burrow for odds. Now, I know that's not how it works, right? right? But I think that he is clearly um, in the conversation to this point with Tua and Jalen Hurts for numbers that have been put up this year. Uh, it would be interesting to see if they can continue, continue it because you spoke yesterday about whether LSU can do it with Bama. Yep, And I talked about whether LSU can do it consistently even before they get to Bama. But if he keeps putting up numbers like that, He's going to be right there squarely in the mix.
0: On Monday, I wanted to come in here with a scorcher and be like, Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. He's going to win the Heisman. Because I do think he is in a really good spot to do it. Um, from a value standpoint, if you wanted to take a shot at him, I would not touch it at 5-1. to one. Right. You know, It's not bad return. I still think he has a really good chance to win it. The reason – so it was Tua and Trevor were like this almost identical odds. And Trevor Lawrence has dropped is he hasn't played great. Right. They haven't really clicked yet offensively. I still think there's time for him. What Trevor Lawrence is going to have a tough time and what Joe Burrow is going to give him an advantage is the rest of like Clemson's schedule. Now that they're past Texas A&M, it's kind of a joke. They're going right. to be favored probably by three touchdowns, including this weekend against Syracuse. They're going to be favored by so many. I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to have that opportunity to have a moment like Joe Burrow had where it's 3rd and 17 and he comes up with a play of the year, an incredible throw while he's getting hit, Right. throws a touchdown pass to seal the victory. Joe Burrow is going to have multiple opportunities against Bama, against Auburn, against Texas A&M, against the rest of their schedule where if this offense is as good and he keeps delivering on throws like that, where he's going to be right in the driver's seat. Um, like that's where Trevor Lawrence is going to get hurt by the, the dominance of his team. Same and thing stabbing. happened
1: to Tua to some degree. Exactly, like, it yeah. definitely
0: did. Mm-hmm. Remember, Tua didn't even play in half the first fourth quarters. Right. Trevor Lawrence might not play in a lot of second halves because they're going to dominate so much mm-hmm. uh, of that conversation. Hey Joe, we pull that. Can we pull that graphic up real quick? Uh, the Heisman one because yeah. I did want to go at a, a couple other guys on there too because I do think Jalen Hurts, who's up there, Justin Fields, who's up there. Those will similarly be looked at and say, all right, they're favorites right now because statistically they've been off the charts. We talked a little bit yesterday. I don't think Jalen Hurts will be the third quarterback that can win it from Oklahoma. But statistically, he has been better than Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray through two games. Um, Justin Fields has been great for Ohio State. They haven't played anybody yet. Cincinnati was a pretty good opponent. I still kind of like, if you were looking for value at this point, I think Sam Ellinger at plus 2000 20 to 1 is not a bad pick. What about the kid They played from, good in their loss. What about the kid from Purdue? Uh the quarterback yes. or, the, or the the Rondale Moore, the quarterback. Uh, Elijah but, Sindelar? Yeah. Maybe not bad. The thing that's going to be a problem is the formula to win the Heisman Trophy really has been got to be a quarterback so he checks that box got to put up stats he checks that box but you have to be a team in the playoff line and that's where he wouldn't do that Elijah Singelair from Purdue wouldn't be in there even Justin Herbert I think wouldn't be a bad flyer pick because I do think Oregon is still in the discussion for the playoff what's up Joey I think the other thing with Trevor Lawrence when you look at those top quarterbacks too that you can take into account is uh Travis Etienne I mean, yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna have he's gonna have weeks like week one where he goes off and he's the reason they blow teams out and Trevor's stats just won't be up there. Yeah, I think what you've seen historically though, Joey brings up a good point because Travis Etienne has been awesome. Is that when you have two players on the same team, they kind of steal votes from each other. Yeah, you gotta so have like those- neither one of them end up winning. But I do think I would not be shocked if Travis Etienne goes to New York over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Like I just think he's he's been so far early, the focal point of that offense. Now of, Trevor
1: might a lot of people would be though. Yeah. No, exactly. People are gonna be upset over it, that it, one. Exactly. <laughs> but Trevor
0: Lawrence in the end will have he'll be the difference in whether they win a championship, yeah. but Travis Etienne is gonna have the bigger year uh because he will probably put up some amazing numbers from the running back position. So it'll be something to keep an eye on. It's never too early to talk about Heisman, is it? Even though it's only two weeks in.